Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, Mother's Day almost here. So deliver all the moms in your life a beautiful smile and bouquet at 1-800-Flowers.com. And right now, when you order a dozen multicolored roses for $29.99, well, our friends at 1-800-Flowers, they will give you another dozen plus a vase absolutely free. Just go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, put in my last name, Hannity. All right, glad you're with us. So much news out there. I don't even know where to begin to start here. You know, one of the most bizarre stories of the day, we'll hit it later in the program, but I'll give you a little preview now. I, What is wrong with these airlines over the weekend? United, we've got an eyewitness who works at Gateway Pundit. The White House correspondent, Lucian Wintrich, is going to join us today. Five hours in a tarmac. I, I'm sorry, in a plane, in a tube, in the in the blazing heat of Miami, and they sit there, and they're trapped baking in an oven, no air conditioning, ventilation, bathrooms not operational, no water offered, five hours. On top of, what, we got the incident of dragging the poor guy down the aisle, then we got the incident of, what, the poor woman with twins, and the guy's ripping the stroller out, then we got the airline attendant sticking his finger in the face of the guy that says, hey, be nice to the woman with twins. And trying to pick a fight with the guy, and then that guy has to defend himself. It's unbelievable. What is wrong with these people? I heard the guy settled, the guy that got dragged down the aisle. I guarantee you it was a thousand times at least more than what it would have cost to give away. I'll give you ten tickets, a hotel, 
and a thousand dollars spending cash. Who wants it? They would have gotten off scot free and so much cheaper. What is wrong with people? <clears throat> All right, we'll get to that. And we will debate today something that should be so painfully obvious to everyone, which is all these late night comedians out there. The the number of attacks we're now discovering more than 10 times as many attacks aimed at Donald Trump than all of the Democrats combined during the same period. Recent presidents. It's unbelievable. But there's something deeper and more profound than that. The level of hatred and vitriol and venom, the mean spiritedness, you know, really incest. You got to attack the daughter, a lovely girl of the president of the United States. And you got to do it repeatedly. And you got to make oral sex jokes, incest, quote, joke. They're not jokes. They're not funny. And if any conservative ever did this to any anybody in the Obama administration, which I would find repulsive to, it's it. You'd never survive. This double standard is so acute, despicable and disgusting. All right. Michelle Obama got criticized for the first time in my adult life. I am proud of my country. My for husband's the first winning time. In my All right, adult I don't want to hear it. I'm done. But uh, the point is simple. She put herself in the political arena. Really? You weren't proud of America beating back Nazism, fascism, imperial Japan, all the blood, sweat, American treasure, the cost for liberty and freedom of every American that fought, bled and died for the cause of freedom. That didn't make you proud of your country. Those that fought and marched in the civil rights movement didn't make you proud of your country. Those that fought for the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, those that fought against slavery and the evil of of its time, those that fought against all the evils we faced as a world. Uh, Only when Obama gets elected, your husband, that's the only time you're proud. Okay, she opened herself up. I I never heard anything similar to what is being said about Melania. She had to sue because somebody insinuated, you know, the most horrible profession in her past, which was a lie and other vicious things. You know, just in the last week, the horrible thing said about the president's daughter, who happens to be a lovely woman, a mother of three kids. You're going to attack this woman this way. And and and, and where is the outspoken? Where are the champions of women's rights? Where are the women's rights champions saying, don't talk about the first daughter this way don't do it not a peep where's nancy pelosi diane feinstein barbara boxer all these liberal democrats where's hillary clinton why isn't hillary clinton tweeted out leave at ivanka trump alone or whatever her twitter handle happens how about leaving her alone how about leave at melania trump or at f flotus alone how about First lady, okay, you got it. How about leave the 10-year-old son of the president alone? How about leave the unborn child of the president's son and Lara Trump alone? How about leave Kellyanne, stop the vicious, vitriolic attacks against Kellyanne? Where's Hillary Clinton, the champion of women's rights? Yeah, I know, the same lady that took money from the Saudis that treat women horribly, and and awful and women can't drive and the women are told how to dress and women can't travel without a man's (laughs) approval jason you gotta stop i i don't want to hear it those are banned audios 
And just because you're wearing your Air Force uniform today, which I think looks really cool, you still can't do it. And where? where, where? She took money from the Saudis. Gays and lesbians are killed. They're hung. They're thrown off roofs in and, and countries she's taken millions from. And, and Christians and Jews are persecuted. Nobody seemed to care during the campaign except me about all these contradictions. Hillary, isn't it time for a woman to be the first time for a woman to be the president of the United States? No. Not maybe Ivanka over you. I'll take anybody over Hillary at this point. They don't believe what they say. They're not champions of, of women's rights if you take money from the Saudis. You know, all the talk about the Russian conspiracy, nobody in the liberal media seems to care that Hillary gave 20% of America's uranium so that the Clinton Foundation was kicked back millions by people surrounding the deal. Or her husband doubled his fees in Moscow in terms of speaking fees. Nobody cares about that. You know, I know at this point in this moment in history, and I've been appealing to you and trying to make you as keenly aware as possible because I think you need to know the environment in which we conservatives on radio and the Fox News channel work, that we're monitored every day. We, every single minute of this show, I know who you are and where you live for the most part. I know the state, the city, of people that I know are paid daily to monitor every minute of this radio show. By the way, what a total loser you are. You are a total loser, and you need to get a life. Go live your own life. I've got my life. Go live your life. And if you don't like what I say, just turn the dial, which we never want anybody to do. Don't ever turn the dial on the Sean Hannity Show or Hannity on the Fox News Channel, weeknights, 10 Eastern. You know, I'm just saying, sort of a little hypnotic suggestion there. Don't ever turn the dial. But the bottom line is we work under these conditions. Rush works under them. Laura Ingram works under them. The great one, Mark Levin, works under these conditions. Any conservative on TV or radio works under these conditions. Any of us where we are, there are paid monitors in the hopes we say something wrong to take us down. Well, you've, you don't have to work hard to hear what Stephen Colbert and Bill Maher are saying. Where are the people that want to take us down when this is front page news? And a new low that's been hitting the media. Now, some of you will say to me, well, Sean, I mean, you're the one out there saying you don't support boycotts. Nope. I support freedom. Freedom of speech. And I support the freedom of you, the American people, to decide. And I keep warning you that these boycotts will boomerang back against conservatives. And it will be used because it's already been used and already being used, but only against conservatives. It's not being used against Stephen Colbert or Bill Maher, and I don't want them to be. Being very, very clear here, I just don't watch their show, ever. If I happen to run across it while I'm flipping the dial, I quickly move on to the next channel. I have a thousand channels on Dish TV. I don't need, I don't need to watch something I don't like. Neither do you. You're strong enough, you can press the button. It's not that hard. You can press buttons. And that's really all it takes. But I got to tell you something. I feel sorry that the Trump family has to live through something we've never seen before. We're going to debate that later today. So we got the airlines issue. We got the late night, you know, vile viciousness that is on steroids now that would never be tolerated if it was conservatives. 
We've got, you know, but I'll tell you what the biggest story of the day is. The single biggest story of the day is very obvious and very clear. And that is we have the single biggest news story, I think, in the history of this republic. That is now being ignored by the mainstream media. And it's being ignored to a degree that should scare you. And the story that I'm talking about is, of course, and we had this last night, John Solomon, and we've been following it, and Sarah Carter, Circa News. And what did we learn last night? We learned last night that transparency reports by the Obama administration showed a massive jump in the surveillance and unmasking requests of Americans. It went from 2015, 654, to be exact, We're first told it was over 1,900. We now learn they underreported. It's now over 2,200 unmaskings in an election year, clearly targeting conservatives, those in the Trump campaign, those Trump supporters, Republicans, presidential candidates, Rand Paul asking the Intel panel for details on any Obama-era surveillance because they can get to this. And what this means is, is that, by unmasking Americans, what what you have not learned in spite of everything else, and I'm going to go over this in a fine-tooth comb in this hour, we're watching Sally Yates testify, and all of this baloney about blackmail and, and General Flynn, they're missing the biggest point here. You know, beyond the fact that, you know, if Yates was so concerned about lying, she worked for Eric Holder— caught lying to Congress in the Fast and Furious scandal. And and of course, we know James Clapper was caught lying to Congress. A lot of lying going on here. But the bigger story is that Sally Yates doesn't, you know, everything she's saying about General Flynn, we know because they surveilled him. He was picked up in an incidental legal surveillance. He was illegally unmasked. The information was then, the, the surveillance was then leaked In other words, raw intelligence leaked for political purposes. That is a felony. That is a crime. That is a violation of the Espionage Act. And somebody at the highest levels of government had to know it. That's what makes this the biggest scandal ever. And still CNN and NBC are fixated on, oh, the Russian connection, which there's not a shred of evidence on. Now, Susan Rice, James Clapper... CIA Director Brennan, Valerie Jarrett, Ben Rhodes, Sally Yates, and maybe President Obama need to be asked, what did they know and when did they know it about this dramatic tripling of unmasking of Americans, opposition party opponent connections in a presidential election year? Why do I have to be the one person just like kind of alone on an island vetting Obama Hello, it's me, ahead of the curve. This is an alert. Hannity's ahead of the curve again. Trump can win. Nobody else is believing it. I believed it. This is the biggest scandal in the history of the country unfolding before your eyes, in my opinion. Pay attention to this. We'll get the details when we get back.
All right, Mother's Day is just around the corner. The countdown clock is now ticking. Now, don't miss the opportunity to deliver a huge smile that only comes from 1-800-Flowers.com. Now, this Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers has beautiful bouquets guaranteed to show all the moms in your life just how much you appreciate them. And right now, when you order a dozen multicolored roses for just $29.99, well, 1-800-Flowers will give you another dozen plus a vase absolutely free. Now, that's 50% off the original price. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are always picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure maximum freshness and a dozen multicolored roses, only $29.99 plus another dozen and a vase for free. It's an amazing offer. Now celebrate all the moms in your life with 1-800-Flowers.com to order a dozen multicolored roses plus an extra bouquet and a vase for just $29.99. It's real simple. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon and put in my last name, Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com promo code Hannity. Hurry. This offer ends Thursday. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. A lot of stories we are covering today. Later on, airline madness. They had people sitting in a in a in a plane for five hours on the tarmac. No water, no air conditioning, no lights over the weekend. Yes, United, great job once again. We've got late night comedians so over the top. We've never seen this before. And the double standard is now being chronicled, and we have the numbers to prove it. We'll get to that. Pat Buchanan, he wrote this great book. It's called Nixon's White House Wars, The Battles That Made and Broke a President Divided America Forever. Wow, is this playing out on steroids again? He'll join us today. Uh, We've got Rand Paul of Kentucky at the top of the next hour. And good for Senator Rand Paul. He's asking the Intel panel for details on any Obama-era surveillance against him, other Republicans, other congressmen, other senators, media people, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition team. It's all beginning to to come to a head here, and I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, A couple of other news items that I want to get to. I'm not going to have time later. You've heard me say, after 58,000 dead in Vietnam and we pull out without winning, it's unbelievable. We send American treasure, our sons and daughters, to go fight, bleed, and die. They do what they're told. They serve their country with honor and distinction. They're getting the job done only to have that war politicized. And we pull out for what? You have to ask the question, why did we do this? And then we do the same thing in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, 5,000 dead, many thousands others injured and losing their limbs and, and literally disfigured, fighting a war that they wanted to fight and that they did with honor and distinction. Again, the war gets politicized in Washington. And, and if you're the mother or father of one of these people that died in any of these conflicts, you're saying, why did I send my son or daughter to go fight for you when you had no intention of winning? So it has reconfigured my mind that I don't think with Washington we have the will to actually see any of these actions through. And if we don't, we cannot send any American to fight, bleed and die. Where you send you offer intelligence support or other means of letting these other countries resolve their own conflicts, protect the free flow of oil until we become energy independent. Thank you, Donald Trump at market prices. And and until we no longer need to get involved or if there is a, a national security, imminent national security issue, we got to we obviously have to take care of it ourselves. But I'd prefer to do it being fought on a computer in Tampa and building the new wave of technology the new uh, the the new advancement of technology that we don't have to send brave men and women so close into harm's way again and if we're willing to invest that money we will get there 
and we will be ahead of everybody else. And then when you're that strong and that tough and you can fire 59 Tomahawk missiles with pinpoint accuracy, then that's that's a pretty good indication that things are going to be a lot different and nobody's going to mess with the U.S. of A., as Toby Keith's song says, we'll put a boot in your ass if you dare mess with the old U.S. of A. And it's not a joke. We've got to protect liberty and freedom because there are those that want to caliphate, want to advance this uh, rigid, sick, twisted ideology of radical Islam where you convert or you die and no problem strapping bombs on innocent children to go kill other innocent men, women, and children to go, you know, in the name of Allah so you get 72 virgins in heaven. By the way, in case you didn't notice, ISIS released a video of a Russian intelligence officer's beheading. I've urged people, if you can handle it, if you can stomach it, that's evil in our time. That is watching on a on a very small scale, what is becoming a modern-day Holocaust. One person at a time, or line up people on a beach, simultaneous beheadings, that is evil. Like Nazi Germany evil in our time. You don't think it can happen again. I wrote a book, Deliver Us From Evil. I don't. I probably can't even get it in a 50-cent pin now. But in that book, I chronicle 100 million human souls killed in... The last hundred years alone, human history, evil exists and it just takes and manifests in a different form or ism, fascism, Nazism, communism. You've heard me discuss this. Now, with that said about Afghanistan and Vietnam, President Trump made a decision today on the rules of engagement about ISIS that has ISIS now on the run in Iraq. We've got a chance to recapture that ground that Obama lost because he pulled out for political purposes But he's doing something different, and he just did something that Obama was never willing to do. A, recognize his radical Islam, and B, Obama clearly had no intention of fighting radical Islam because he wouldn't even say the words radical Islam. But anyway, as the Washington Post points out, Trump has approved a plan directly to arm the Kurds in the north, in northern Iraq, their forces fighting in Syria and Iraq as part of a U.S. military plan to capture Raqqa and also, which is the Syrian city that is the Islamic State's de facto capital. And the Pentagon spokesman said that the president made the decision today or yesterday and described the Kurdish People's Protection Units as the only force on the ground that can successfully win in the near future. And he said no details of the kind of weaponry that's going to be provided to Kurdish, Kurdish men and women that are fighting And that dominates a diverse group of fighters known as the Syrian Democratic Forces. They've emerged as the U.S.'s premier partner against the Islamic State. So neither the Trump administration nor Barack Obama before it had made any secret of their intention uh, to give the Syrian Kurds a primary role in in fighting this war. Anyway, so if we're going to fight, let them fight. It directly impacts them. And that's why, like, I like what the president's doing with North Korea. We're now deploying missile defense. That's important. If it gets to the point, we have to stop ICBM from being made and married to Kim Jong-un's nuclear weapons that Bill Clinton allowed him to get. Then at least if they do fire a nuclear weapon at Seoul, South Korea, Japan, or even China, we might be able to save hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of lives. We might be able to. But once you allow a rogue regime with a chubby despot 
like Kim Jong-un, to have these weapons because you capitulate and you appease and you I'm going to get billions of dollars and they promise not to build a nuclear weapon. And I can assure you the American people, that's not going to happen. It happened. It's like this bad Iranian deal is going to bite us in the backside ten times over. There's news about that today in the Washington Free Beacon. Iran's quest to develop the capability to hit the U.S. with nuclear weapons continues unabated. The Free Beacon's reporting that Iran is launching two new domestic satellites into space, according to an announcement by Iranian military leaders. Now, according to U.S. national security insiders, well, they actually believe this is a move to test fire advanced intercontinental ballistic missile technology that could be used as part of Iran's nuclear weapons program so that if they ever get nuclear weapons, they'll now have the means of reaching the continental United States. And by the way, they already have the means of reaching Israel and wiping them off the face of the earth, which is something that they frequently claim they want to do, which is, again, evil in our time, which is why this alliance, the faster we we build on what has happened as a result of Obama's Iranian deal and and the Saudis, who I still find corrupt, and the Egyptians, Jordanians, the Israelis, the Emirates, and the U.S., and, say, Great Britain, if we form an alliance, take out Iran's nuclear sites, the sooner it's better it's going to be for the free world. So let me get to this Sally Yates issue. Now, remember, this is all about the Fourth Amendment to our Constitution. The right of the people, that means you, to be secure in your persons, houses, papers, effects against unreasonable search and seizure— shall not be violated, no warrants shall issue, but for probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Now, what have we learned? We've learned a lot. This is the biggest story historically in in this republic, and it's being ignored by the media. Look at what John Solomon and Sarah Carter are saying to you. If you do a, a, a big, deeper dig dive into what happened in the years 2015 and the years 2016, the number in 2015 of unmaskings was 654. Well, that's what the Obama administration reported. In 2016, it was much higher. Now, all of these unmaskings, you know, were happening in a political environment here. So they underreported the number. Now we're finding out that it's over 2,200. We don't know how many. And then you've got Sally Yates. Okay, so General Flynn was, was incidentally surveilled because the intelligence community was doing their job and they were digging up intel on the Russian ambassador. It's not a crime for General Flynn to be talking to his future, you know, counterpart in Russia that's actually normal now here's the interesting part once they surveilled the Russian ambassador incidentally pick up Flynn why did they unmask him and identify him what did he say why did they pick up that intelligence and then use it to get him fired why did they then leak I think it was the Washington Post I believe that first had the story who broke the law and not only unmasked him, but then leaked the intelligence that was involved in this. All of this is a crime. And Sally Yates testifies the FBI hasn't even questioned her about the Flynn leak. Now, if she's telling the truth, you know, there's something deeply pervasively wrong in the FBI in the deep state. 
The deep state is up to their eyeballs in all of this. Because it shows that Comey could care less about the only real crime we know about, which is against General Flynn. And it shows that the unmasking of his name and the leaking of his identity to the media, that's all a crime. And Sally Yates is saying, and James Clapper yesterday, that the FBI is showing no interest in the felony committed here. Just like they seem to show no interest in Hillary's illegal server to circumvent oversight of Congress, their constitutional authority, by putting a, putting a server in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet with top-secret information and special access program, the, the highest level of top-secret information, on the computer. And Clapper detailed also the intelligence community's unmasking spree. And what he did was he went further than ever before in his description of the Obama administration's decision to ramp up their unmasking procedures. Remember, the two weeks before Obama leaves, he changed executive order 12333, which allows 16 other agencies to get a hold of this intelligence that nobody else prior to two weeks before him leaving had access to. And Clapper said the term unmasking is often misunderstood. It's important to know the context. There are cases when to fully understand the context of the communication that has been obtained and the threat that it has posed. The consumer of the collected intelligence may ask the identity of the U.S. person to be revealed. Such requests explain why the unmasking is necessary. And that explanation is conveyed back to the agency that collected the information. He said it's up to the agency whether to approve the request and provide the identity. Clapper added the identity of the unmasked person being investigated is only revealed to the official who requested it. Not a broader audience. Okay, who requested General Flynn's unmasking then? Because that would be the guy that leaked it. If what Clapper's saying is true. The process is subject to oversight reporting, and in the interest of transparency, my former office publishes a report on the statistics of how many U.S. persons uh, were unmasked. In 2016, that number was 1,934. Well, we believe it was higher than that. The identities of U.S. citizens, permanent residents, were found in 3,914 intelligence reports the NSA distributed last year. Why? Why? Because you better have a justification. And then Clapper torpedoed the 17 intelligence agency talking point. This was in Breitbart. During the, hitting, during the hearings, you know, the talking point that 17 federal agencies have concluded that Russia interfered with the 2016 presidential election. That was the talking point. We have 17 intelligence agencies, civilian and military, Hillary said, who've all concluded these, that these espionage attacks, cyber attacks, came from the highest levels of the Kremlin. Did anyone notice that Clapper yesterday said, as you know... The IC was a coordinated product from three agencies, not 17. CIA, NSA, FBI, not all 17 components of the intelligence community. Oh, later in the hearing, Clapper corrected Al Franken when Franken claimed all 17 agencies concluded Russia attempted to influence the election. Is NBC and CNN and New York Times going to retract that? I wish I had time, but Ted Cruz just pummeled this poor lady yesterday. And, And by the way, so did... John Cornyn. And, you know, the laws are very clear. Nobody seems to care. This is so bigger than Watergate. You know how I was ahead of the curve on Obama? I'm ahead of the curve here. Stay with me. I have more insider information than anybody you know on radio or TV right now. That's all I can say, which is why I'm being people trying to take me down, which is why I'm under attack. Which is why I better listen to Chuck Schumer said, oh, they'll get you six ways on Sunday. 
Well, I respect the intelligence community. I don't respect the people that didn't respect the laws, which is only a half of 1% likely. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. When we come back, Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, he wants the intel panel to give details on Obama error surveillance, probably against him, other candidates, Trump, the campaign, the transition. Oh, and conservatives in the media. We'll get to that. Pat Buchanan also checks in today. We got airline horror stories. Another one from the weekend. Five hours in the hot tarmac, no air conditioning or water in Miami. And then the viciousness of late night television. Wow, what a day. 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. There are cases when, to fully understand the context of the communication that has been obtained or the threat that is posed, the consumer of that collected intelligence may ask the identity of the U.S. person be revealed. Such requests explain why the unmasking is necessary, and that explanation is conveyed back to the agency that collected the information. It is then up to that agency whether to approve the request and to provide the identity. And if a U.S. person's identity is revealed, that identity is provided only to the person who properly requested it, not to a broader audience. This process is subject to oversight and reporting, and in the interest of transparency, my former office publishes a report on the statistics of how many U.S. persons' identities are unmasked based on a collection that occurred under Section 702 of the FISA Amendment Act, which I'll speak to in a moment. And in 2016, that number was 1,934. On several occasions during my six and a half years as DNI, I requested the identity of U.S. persons to be revealed. In each such instance, I made these requests so I could fully understand the context of the communication and the potential threat being posed. At no time did I ever submit a request for personal or political purposes or to voyeuristically look at raw intelligence, nor am I aware of any instance of such abuse by anyone else. Mr. Clapper and Ms. Yates, uh, did either of you ever request the unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? Um, uh, yes, in, in uh, one case I did. I can, I can specifically uh, call, but I, I can't discuss it any further than that. You can't? So if I ask you for details, you said you can't discuss that? Is that what you said? Not, not here. Okay. All right, glad you're with us. Hour two of the Sean Hannity Show. That was James Clapper testifying before this committee in the last two days. Now, 
He did say 1,934 American citizens were unmasked. We believe the number's higher, according to Circa News, over 2,200. But let's put that aside. Well, that would be up from 654 in 2015. Why were the why did we have a tripling of the number of people unmasked in this country in a one year period of time? And it just happens to coincide with an election year. And the unmasking happens to seemingly be related to all things Trump associates and Republicans in the House and the Senate. Now, that is a question that needs to be answered. Either we had such an increase in the need for monitoring and the need for surveillance that all these other Americans were caught up in incidental surveillance and then consequently and subsequently uh, unmasked. Well, we got it. We don't have answers to any of this. And of course, on top of that, Chuck Grassley gets Clapper to admit that the unmasking of Trump or one of his associates just, you know, or a member of Congress. OK, how deep does this go? Now, let me add one thing before we get to Senator Rand Paul. The Fourth Amendment originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle. Sounds like Ralph Cramden and the Honeymooners, but you know what I'm saying. In other words, secure from unreasonable searches and seizures of property by the government, protecting against arbitrary assets, and is the basis of the law regarding search warrants, stop and frisk, safety inspections, wiretaps, and any other form of surveillance, as well as being central to many other criminal law topics and privacy law. But the Fourth Amendment is clear. The right of the people, that would be we, the people, to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Now, Senator Rand Paul released a bombshell on Friday asking the intelligence panel for details on any Obama-era surveillance and is has very strong belief that he himself might have been surveilled and unmasked. And the senator from the great state of Kentucky joins us. How are you? Very good, Sean. Thanks for having me. By the way, there's been reports that this happened to me. I have no idea if it's true or not. When you're looking at it for yourself, would you mind, you know, checking on good old Sean Hannity in the process? Well, the interesting thing is it's not just about me. It's about millions of Americans whose phone calls are caught up in this. And you're right. The Fourth Amendment said that the government can look at your phone conversations, your phone metadata, and your papers in your house, but only when they go to an independent judge and they get a warrant with your name on it. Right now what we're doing, the intelligence community is is, is vacuuming up all of the phone records on every phone call that goes overseas, and then they have these huge databases that they're searching. So I've asked them, did they search? Did anybody in the Obama administration search my name? Did any of them unmask me? And there's supposed to be some kind of protection for people in the legislature because this is the executive branch spying on Congress. So we don't want that to happen because they could use it to blackmail people or to ruin people like they did General Flynn. So you don't want the government to have this power without a warrant, there's something called a Gates notification. Eight members of Congress are notified, are supposed to be notified, if any member of Congress is surveilled. Um, Number one, they shouldn't be surveilling us. They shouldn't be listening to our conversations. But if they did, there's supposed to be some kind of protection. No one's ever notified me that I was, but I have specifically and formally asked the intelligence committees, um, was there a Gates notification? Because if there wasn't, maybe it didn't happen. But it also could be maybe the surveillance of the surveillance, the watchers of the watchers. Maybe you're not watching closely enough. Let me just give you the numbers that 
that Circa is reporting and, and even the Clapper acknowledged in these hearings, and that is from the NSA, in other words, the number of unmasking requests that were granted by the NSA from 2015 to 2016. Now, he's saying 1,954, I believe, or 1,900 and something, but that's up from 654 in 2015. Now, now I'll explain to the audience, you can explain in your own words, if somebody is picked up on a legitimate surveillance mission and where they're surveilling, in the case of Mike Flynn, the Russian ambassador, and it's an incidental pickup of an American because they don't have a warrant to wiretap or surveil an American citizen without probable cause, that's where the Fourth Amendment comes in. There's supposed to be a process called minimization, and I am told by Devin Nunez, who is the head of the Intel Committee in the House, that they're supposed to also, when they write up any American, they're not supposed to identify the American, and they only refer in a report to a American. And to then go out and request at the top levels of the intelligence community who those individuals are that were caught up in incidental surveillance is very unusual. But this seems to have become standard operating procedure in an election year impacting all of those around the president and all of those like yourself in the Republican Party and those running for president. And there have been former members of the National Security Council who have said that they never unmasked anybody. So if Susan Rice was going along unmasking people in the Trump administration or the upcoming Trump administration... It's a little bit uh, of a stretch for her to try to prove that this was not political since it isn't really part of her job. Now, if she says, oh, I was investigating the Russian connection, that's not her job either. That's the FBI's job if there is such a problem. But you have to realize that for all of this breathless stuff all over the networks talking about General Flynn, that what they did to General Flynn was illegal. And what he did. It was a crime. It was a it, it was a it felony was without question, a crime and a felony. But to tell you the truth, everything they're accusing Flynn of discussing sanctions with the Russians is not a crime. You can say it's inadvisable. You can say he should have been more forthcoming with the Trump administration. That's why he was let go. But you can also say that it is absolutely against the law to listen to conversations of high ranking. This means they could be listening to the president when he talks to the Russian ambassador. Are we really going to let the intelligence community have the power to listen to the president and then blackmail or try to ruin the president? We cannot have a rogue intelligence community that can do whatever they want. They have to be reined in. And most of the media, because they hate Trump so much, are unwilling to look at the biggest, hugest scandal right in front of their nose, and that is spying on Americans and then basically ruining them by releasing it to the media. How big do you think this is and how high up? For example, Susan Rice won't testify. That should disturb everybody. But then you've got Clapper, who I think is not being asked the right questions. And Brennan needs to be sat down and, and Comey needs to be sat down and Jarrett needs to be sat down and Rhodes needs to be sat down and ultimately Obama needs to be sat down. And, I, think and, and, you'll only, I think you'll only get to the bottom of this if you request information from all three branches of government. So on my request to know whether or not the intelligence community was unmasking or querying my name, we've asked the House Intel Committee, the Senate Intel Committee, but I've also asked the White House because they have access to the logs of the previous White House. I think there are many people in government that will do anything they can to protect the enormous powers of the intelligence committee, even if it means your privacy is trampled upon, this is such a grave, uh, you know, invasion of our privacy that we have to we have to be concerned with this. Ron Wyden and I have been talking about backdoor searches for years now. 
now that as many as a million Americans can have their phone conversations recorded in a backdoor fashion or their metadata collected in a backdoor fashion. And this can be many innocent, mostly innocent Americans who just had a phone call with a foreigner. I've had on this program numerous times Bill Binney. He was a whistleblower at the NSA, 30 plus years of service. And he said to me, you correct him if he's wrong, every phone call, every text, every um, email is picked up and collected and metadata stored in places like Salt Lake City. And realize is that, that is that cro- true? Realize that if you cross them, you're a target. But is that true? Yeah. Well, for a while we were collecting it all and putting it in Utah. Now they're uh, not collecting it. They they're not supposed to be collecting it under one particular uh, part of the intelligence law. But there's another part of the intelligence law called twelve three 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 twelve triple three. Under that part of the guys, I think you may be right, but they won't tell me. They won't tell any representatives other than about well, eight people what they're doing. Twelve triple three is the executive order that two weeks before Obama left office, he expanded its powers so that they intelligence can be shared with 16 other agencies, which then makes it that more likely and possible they can leak it without getting caught. Uh, Rand Paul, stay right there. we got to take a break. We'll come back more with the senator from Kentucky. We'll also ask him about uh, health care and the economy and much, much more. Uh, and the president, by the way, arming the Kurds, which is some big news today. All right, as we continue with Senator Rand Paul, and Senator Paul has gone out there. He's requesting information on whether or not Obama, his administration, and that would mean Susan Rice and James Clapper and Brennan and Comey and Jarrett and Rhodes and maybe others were responsible for surveilling him. You know, you said something pretty scary in the last segment, and I let it go, and I need to pick up on it. You said, oh, you better not talk about the intelligence agency because they'll come after you. Now, here's my question to you, because Chuck Schumer said the same thing to, to President Trump. Now, I happen to respect the intelligence community, and I respect and honor the work that they do. It's so key to our national security and defense, but I'm only critical of people that may have abused the power that we give them and violated the law. And you're suggesting, as is Chuck Schumer, that if you speak out against the abuse of a law or the misuse of intelligence gathering, that somehow you become a target. Am I reading you right on that? I think President Trump and General Flynn were both critics of the intelligence community, and I think that the intelligence community took Flynn down. Flynn did not, to anybody's account so far, break any law. He talked about sanctions with the Russians in a private phone call. It's not against the law. You can say he should or shouldn't have. You can disagree with less or increasing sanctions, but it's not against the law for the incoming National Security uh, Council uh, chair to talk to someone about public policy. It's just not against the law. But they took him down and they found right. out that he wasn't. So wait a minute. What you're saying is what Chuck Schumer said. Let me remind people what Chuck said. President-elect's latest, latest yeah. unsolicited pronouncement on the intelligence community. This was his tweet just a little while ago tonight. You see the scare quotes there. The yeah. intelligence briefing yeah. on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday, perhaps more time needed to build a case very strange but he's he's taking these shots this antagonism is taunting to the intelligence community you you take on the intelligence community they have six ways from sunday at getting back at you so even for a practical supposedly hard-nosed businessman he's being really dumb to do this what do you think the intelligence community would do if they were i don't know but i from what i am told they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. Well, I mean, he's basically saying that they'll crush you if you have 
if you express your First Amendment right, that maybe some people misuse their power. That 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 admission by Schumer is truly alarming. It alarms even me because I tend to believe that. But here's a guy who's one of the privileged eight. Only eight people in Congress are allowed to know most of the things that go on in our intelligence community. And he's willing to admit that it's very, very dangerous to go against the intelligence community. That worries me for my country that they've gotten so much power that it's out of hand. The second branch of government, or really, depending on how you look at the first branch of government, Congress, is supposed to oversee the executive branch. And so what we are supposed to do is to say no one can get that much power. And I'm like you. I don't doubt most of the people's patriotism. Ninety-nine percent of the people in the intelligence community want what's best for our country and are protecting it. But in their fervor, could they let their guard down and not be objective about civil liberties and the Bill of Rights? Absolutely. Doesn't this have to be at the highest levels, though? This is not a low-level NSA person. This is this is a top-level person. It has to be. Here's the problem. We're talking about unmasking. When the information comes in as raw data, it's not masked at all. Most of the FBI is able to see that. So let's say there's just one bad apple over there who hates Trump, and he sees a, something that is uh, raw data and Americans' names are listed in it. When it gets put in an intelligence report, what if that person tips off Susan Rice and Susan Rice says, hmm, maybe I should ask to unmask this one. That may well have been what happened, and the rumors are that what happened is that she was tipped off to ask for the unmasking on Flynn and others. And so she won't testify, so we don't know if she did the wow. unmasking. She swears she didn't release it to the media. I don't believe it. she talked to release it to the media? I, 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 listen, it had to come from the top level. We're not going to let go, and I guess, you know, my life is about to be ruined, or potentially, according to Chuck Schumer, because they'll get me six ways in Sunday. But I just want to get to the truth, and, and we have constitutional rights, Senator, and we got to protect them. Thank you, my friend, and we'll continue to follow this story. It's un- Unbelievable. Senator Rand Paul, the great state of Kentucky, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. When we come back, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Holding them accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is important to me. How did the... uh conversation between the Russian ambassador and Mr. Flynn make it to the Washington Post. Which one of us are you asking? Ms. Sheik. That's a great question. Uh, uh, I thought so. would like to know that. I don't don't know the answer to that. Nor do I know the answer to that. Um, We told him the third reason was is because we were concerned that the American people had been misled about the underlying conduct and what General Flynn had done. And additionally, that we weren't the only ones that knew all of this, that the Russians also knew about what General Flynn had done, and the Russians also knew that General Flynn had misled the vice president and others. Because in the media accounts, it was clear from the vice president and others that they were repeating what General Flynn had told them. And that this was a problem, because not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. And that created a compromise situation, a situation where the national security advisor essentially could be blackmailed by the Russians. Finally, we told them that we were giving them all of this information so that they could take action. 
the action that they deemed appropriate. Um, I remember that Mr. McGahn asked me whether or not General Flynn should be fired, and I told him that that really wasn't our call. That was up to them, but that we were giving them this information so that they could take action. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. 24 now till the top of the hour. Sally Yates and her testimony. What we're not getting to here is Lindsey Graham sucks up to this woman. It's so frustrating to me is if, in fact, there was surveillance of the Russian ambassador, which we know to be true, and if, in fact, there was an incidental pickup of General Flynn, which we now know is true. And if, in fact, there was no minimization process taken, which is the general protocol and procedures that are supposed to be in place. And, in fact, how this all became public and was leaked. Well, we don't know how it leaked. In other words, that is a felony and a violation of the Espionage Act. And it was also the Obama administration that, in fact, had vetted General Flynn. Now, these are are very important points nobody seems to get into the bottom of here. Anyway, joining us now, a good friend of the program, our good friend Patrick J. Buchanan, one of the best writers in the country, and he's been there through the Nixon administration, the the Reagan administration. He's been in all the political wars, uh, really pushing for a a pro-blue-collar Republican Party for many, many years on issues of trade and non-interventionism and other issues. Anyway, his brand-new book, Nixon's White House Wars, The Battles That Made and Broke a President and divided America forever. You know, Pat, as I look at your new book and through the prism of where we are with President Trump and unhinged conspiracy theories and even Sally Yates there, you know, ignoring what is the elephant in the room, the surveillance, unmasking and leaking of intelligence, which is illegal. um, It seems that we are as divided more even then, more even now than then. You know, I think it's quite true. And, uh, You know, Nixon ended badly, but when he came in, he faced the same situation that Donald Trump did. The relentless hostility of the media, the opposition of the deep state in D.C., and what he was trying to do. And what you're talking about here, I think, is is very important. There's, There's two alleged scandals here. One is... Did the Trump administration collude with Russia to interfere and get all those emails out and damage Hillary Clinton? Every single intelligence person and FBI chief who has been up there for the last 10 months has said, no, we have no evidence of that. And the press is pursuing that, meanwhile ignoring what is going on, which is the deep state leaks to damage Trump falsely in some cases, and they're not pursuing the unmasking of individuals. And was the Trump uh, or campaign really uh, basically not wiretapped, but surveyed in various ways? And were individuals unmasked? And why? And who did it? And so that's the the second scandal, it seems to me. And the first is looks like thus far a very dry hole. Well, Pat, look at what we advanced last night. And if you want to look at an absolute number, that the unmasking requests granted by the NSA from 2015 to 2016, you go from 650 to 2200. Now, either we had the single greatest increase in terrorist activity and potential threat to this country, which would which would authorize legitimate surveillance, or we have in an election year an opposition party being surveilled for political purposes which, if we're going to talk about Nixon and controversies, um, this would make Watergate look like, you know, a a kindergarten class versus, you know, uh, a, a law school uh, LSAT exam or something. Well, you know, you're you're exactly correct here. Look, the Nixon thing was about uh, five guys broke into the National Committee. Nixon didn't order it. It was done by his campaign. He did try to save those guys. But if this is true... 
if there has been a systematic effort to deliberately unmask individuals who made conversations with Russians or any connection with them in order to get the goods on them and defeat the opposition here, that is a far more serious, graver matter. What astounds me, Sean, is why we cannot get to the bottom of exactly who was unmasked, who was who made the orders, where the materials went, who wrote up the transcripts, who leaked them to the press. Leaks to the press like that are crimes in and of themselves. Well, I agree. I mean, the, the, all of this is a crime. We never seem to get to the bottom of anything, Pat. I mean, I Hillary, Hillary uh, we've got, I mean, Trump, yeah. <laughs> Trump as the government now. Can you call these people in and say, you know, what did uh, what did the national security advisor, the lady for working for the Barack Obama, what did she get? What did she do? She's not going to testify now. I mean, it's it's there's Susan no Rice. election of duty here. Well, you're talking about Susan Rice. Look, to me, there is no rational explanation to see exponentially this dramatic an increase of surveillance and unmasking in an election year. The only intelligent conclusion we can make is that the NSA, our surveillance community, was being used as a mechanism to spy on political opposition. If that is true, and I am right, and I suspect you agree with me. What? How do we, A, get to the bottom of it? What is the magnitude of scandal we're talking about? Well, look, here's what you do. You've got to get the the head of the, um, uh, the, the, the top, and you've got to get Clapper in there, in the room. Then you get the CIA guy, previous guy, Brennan, and then you get him in there. Get them all in ben there. Ben Rhodes, Susan Rice. Closed session. Get them all in there in closed sessions. So, okay, we want the names, and we want everything you did, and do it in closed sessions, and the Senate and the House get that material from these folks and say, okay, what's your explanation for it? And then you're going to, if that's okay, then you're going to have a report on that and say what they did and whether this was illicit, illegal. Well, Pat, we already know what happened to General Flynn was illegal. We already, you know, but here's here's my problem and, and help me out because look, you're talking about the battles that made and broke a president and divided America forever. Okay, we're now in many ways, I would argue, based on your book, we're reliving history. How does Hillary get away with a private server in a mom and pop shop in a bathroom closet with not only top uh, secret emails, but special access intelligence, which is the highest level of intelligence? How is it the Clinton Foundation gives away 20% of America's uranium and the Clinton Foundation with all the people involved gets millions and millions of dollars vis-a-vis the Clinton Foundation, a doubling of speech of Bill Clinton in Moscow and that the media focuses only in on a conspiracy of collusion that we don't have a shred of evidence after investigations have gone on for nearly a year. Here's how we do it. Comey first has all the goods sufficient to recommend an indictment. He can't indict. He sends to the Justice Department, whose chief, Ms. Lynch, says, I'm going to follow what Mr. Comey says. He sends to the Justice Department really hard evidence, which was sufficient, a number of people said, to indict. Comey did that, I think, because he didn't want to decide the election. So that happens. And then, and, 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 and so there's no indictment of Hillary. And then, frankly, after the election is over, the, the Trump administration was ordered to the Trump Justice Department was told not to pursue the Hillary matter. 
Well, that's the point. We never follow through, Pat. The only people that we get follow through on are conservatives or Republicans. Republicans, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get rid of of the supermajority or or cloture or what we call the nuclear option is because Republicans, they play by one set of rules. Ruth Bader Ginsburg will get an up or down vote. Elena Kagan will get an up or down vote. Sonia Sotomayor, any liberal on the court gets an up or down vote. Then the same reciprocity, the same courtesy is not extended to Republicans. <laughs> so why? So why? I was in the battles of Hainsworth and Carswell were torn to pieces. Exactly. Like there in those days. But here's something else. Now, Sean, let's take the one item that you and I agree on. It is a crime to do. Look, I don't agree with what uh, General Flynn did, but it is a crime to leak this fact out from the Justice Department about the uh, talks with the vice president, et cetera, to the Washington Post. Get Comey in there and ask him publicly, now, are you investigating the leak, which is apparently out of the FBI, but in any event is criminal misconduct? Have you investigated and run down the FBI agent or agents or whoever it was that made this leak, which appears to be out of your department, and fired them, or what have you done? Give us the name, because we think that's an indictable crime. And if you can't give us the name, we're going to get a new FBI director who will. All right. Pat Buchanan is with us. Uh, He's got a brand new book out. And if you think history repeats itself, well, it does. And it gives you a very, very broad perspective that a lot of what we've been through in the past is happening again on steroids. And his new book is called Nixon's White House Wars, the battles that made and broke a president and divided America forever. All right, as we continue, Patrick J. Buchanan is with us. His brand new book, Nixon's White House Wars, The Battles That Made and Broke a President, Divided America Forever, uh, destined to be another Pat Buchanan bestseller. Um, But what you're writing about in this book, and I, I really had a hard time putting it down last night until I literally passed out with it on my chest, is is this book is so relevant and you can really see that history does repeat itself and it seems to be repeating itself even at a higher level now. You know, how would you tie the two together? Well, here's the thing, Sean. What happened, the American establishment, which basically ruled the country from the New Deal up into the 1960s, into JFK, broke apart and was broken on the wheel of Vietnam. However, and so Nixon broke through and won with 43% in 68, and then won again with 72, I mean, with, in 72 with 49 states. However, the establishment is ensconced deeply into the government in D.C. I mean, Trump got 4% of the vote in D.C., which tells you how much support he's got in the bureaucracy, the media, the, the complete establishment, the intellectual academic establishment. And what they do is they're waiting there. And you cannot make any footfalls. You slip and fall there, and they will run the sword right through you. And they are as ready to break and bring down President Trump as they were to break and bring down Nixon. Now, I'm not defending the blunders and mistakes Nixon made after that stupid break-in. And they were used to break him, bring him down. But they will not bring down their allies and friends. They wouldn't do this to Jack Kennedy. They wouldn't do this to Barack Obama. But I'll tell you, the president better be prepared and realize that, you know, if, if they make a mistake, it's going to be big. It's going to be constant. Look. General Flynn has been gone for three months, for heaven's sakes. I didn't, I don't know about you, I didn't learn anything new yesterday from those, uh, that report by that, those, those two. And there were some of the good questions, you know, who leaked this that went unanswered 
and we learned nothing about those, and we weren't learned the same thing about the talk with the vice president and when he learned it and how many hours and days it was before he was removed. He's been gone for three months. Today we got an important issue, hugely important, on Afghanistan. Are we going to go back in there with how many troops? Can we win it? Is it lost? A gigantic issue. But the media, they will stay focused, Sean. They will keep zeroed in, laser-like, on anything that is damaging, and they'll keep it keep it up and up. And Look, it's been almost a year. Has there been any collusion? Every guy comes on TV. No, we haven't found any collusion. If there's collusion, for heaven's sakes, they should have found it in the first week. Yeah, well, they should have found it in the first week. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. The fact that they delay all of this the way they do is unbelievable and, frankly, unforgivable to me. Um, I've got to believe that based on some of the, the recent news that you're pretty happy on a, on a foreign policy front. Um, I'm looking at the news cycle earlier today, and, you know, we see that the president, I think, has taken a very Pat Buchanan-like position, and that is he's arming the Kurds. Well, yeah, the Kurds are great, but let me say this, Sean. When Nixon faced a similar situation, he, we came in with 525,000 guys still in Vietnam, and Nixon realized that the, the country wanted him to pull out. It didn't want to lose the war, and it's a hellish problem to do that and succeed. And he did by 72, and it wasn't until 75 that the, after he had been broken and driven from office that the North Vietnamese came down from the north. But I will say this. We've got guys all over the Middle East. We got them in Iraq. We got them in Afghanistan. We are aiding the Saudis in Yemen. We got folks in Somalia. We are in all over these Syria even. If I mean, and I think Trump doesn't think we should have gone in, and neither do I. But once you are in there, you got to win. We got to win, but you can't, Sean. We had a hundred thousand guys or something in no. Afghanistan, and we didn't make it. Ten thousand aren't going to do it. No, I agree. But you know what? These countries also have to start fighting for themselves. And, and you know, that's the Nixon doctrine he put you know, out in Asia that we'll help them to the degree I gotta we run. can. Yeah, to the degree we can is right. But uh, listen, it's very complicated. We'll talk about that in the future. The book is awesome, by the way. Uh, our friend Pat Buchanan, Nixon's White House Wars, the battles that made and broke a president and divided America forever. And you'll see so many parallels to where we are today. And you'll get a great background and, and knowledge of history. Thanks, Pat. Regardless of your political point of view here tonight or watching at home, I think we can all agree that the last eight years, the White House has given us a leader who is passionate, intelligent, and dignified. You talk like a sign language gorilla who got hit in the head. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. President Obama held his last press conference today. He talked about uh, the complexities of peace in the Middle East, uh, universal health care, job creation, pretty boring stuff. And uh, man, I'm going to miss being bored. At the end of that monologue, I had a few choice insults for the president in return. I don't regret that. So for the last time, from me, the real Stephen Colbert, I just want to say, thanks, Obama. One reporter ran into Reince Priebus, who told her the president stepped up and helped punt the ball into the end zone. I think a more accurate football metaphor might have been the GOP just kicked America in the I got to say, go if, after listening to this scandal and listening to the Benghazi scandal, what I came away with is what I thought years ago after Nixon scandals, which is the culture always comes from the top. If the top guy is corrupt and shady 
and sketchy, then everyone down gets corrupt and gets gay. And, and, and he's not. He's clean. And basically his government is clean. And these scandals have proven that. The government is basically clean. They're not f***ing with people in any way. <laughs> if this election, I saw the headline today, race tightening, Trump ahead in Ohio as Florida. If this race is even the week before the election, somebody is going to have to go out there. I have been mostly holding my tongue about the president this past season because I didn't want to muddy the waters in a country where you only get two choices. But, Mr. President, there are two ways to look at your 51 to 48 percent victory. One is we love you. The other is we like you three percent better than Mitt Romney. Oh, Ivanka's going to be our saving grace, you know, when he's about to nuke Finland or something. She's going to walk into the bedroom and, you know, yeah, daddy, daddy, don't do it, daddy. You know? I think the second term for Obama is more important even than the first. Obviously, it was important to get the first black president elected. But if the first black president only has one term, America reads that as a failure. Absolutely. This is what the right wing hopes and prays for more than anything else. That America looks at this one-term president and goes, well, you know what? We tried a black guy, but it just didn't work. Yeah. And I think Obama's aware of that. He, that's why I think he is so conservative in the first term. He knows, for the sake of black America, he needs the second term. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour on the Sean Hannity Show. We have spent a lot of time talking about Bill Maher and Stephen Colbert and the vile, vicious attacks that exist. Now, the Center for Media Public Affairs at George Mason University actually counted an incredible 1,060 jokes directed against Trump during his first 100 days in office. That's more than 10 times as many barbs aimed at all Democrats combined during the same period and considerably more than Barack Obama and Bill Clinton received during their entire first year of their presidency. It just never ends. <clears throat> but it's not just the number of attacks, the frequency of attacks, which is unprecedented. It's also the degree to which these uh, the, the viciousness involved in the attacks. Now, I just can't imagine what you just heard, Bill Maher, and, you know, incest. I, I can even say incest is a joke because it's not a joke. But imagine if this were ever said um, during Barack Obama's presidency. What would be the reaction in the country? It would be it would be a fireable offense for anybody, be it on you know conservative talk radio, late night television. It would not be allowed. But everybody's taking it. Well, it's fine with these guys. I'm not calling for anybody's firing. I'm saying vote with your vote with your your clicker, your remote. Turn the TV off or turn the dial. But I am pointing out that there is a level of hate vitriol, viciousness, that is unprecedented here. And you don't hear the left go out defending conservatives. Conservatives are silenced on college campuses. Nobody says a thing. The Fox News Channel talk radio monitored in the hopes of boycotts every day. Not a word of defense from liberals in this country, any of them. And then this viciousness, which would never be tolerated, it's loved by the left. They don't utter a single word of defense for Ivanka Trump, Melania Trump, for Barron Trump, for any, even for the, the soon-to-be grandson of the president, for crying out loud, it's that vicious. 
Jeffrey Lord, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, author of the best-selling book, What America Needs, The Case for Trump, Leslie Marshall, <clears throat> host of the Leslie Marshall Show and Fox News contributor. I mean, Leslie, you just have to admit there there is such a severe double standard here. And your friends on the left are virtually silent on any of these issues that they claim to have a mantle of of morality on and, and a standard second to none on. Well, Sean, if you Google, um, I wrote for the Huffington Post a couple of years ago, actually, a piece talking about how spouses and children, for any candidate left or right, should be off limits. And a lot of conservative sites liked it, tagged it. And, you know, my, my terminology, I don't know if it went viral or whatever, uh, but, but applauded it. And quite frankly, attacking the president, you have a First Amendment right. Going blue, which I believe Stephen Colbert did, I agree with you, Sean, you have a choice as a consumer what you watch and you don't watch. But attacks of any kind, and I don't care if the person's a Democrat or Republican, on their children, regardless of their children's age, and we have heard attack, we heard terrible, scathing attacks on Amy Carter, on Chelsea Clinton, we're hearing it on Ivanka. I, not only as a parent, but as a decent human being, I find Okay, it, all right, I Leslie, I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going to say Leslie's different. I am talking about the loudest, biggest voices on the left are virtually silent, and Jeffrey Lord, this would never be done to Barack Obama. Man, is that the truth? I mean, they'd be coming at well, Sean, if you, if you, they attack, I mean, they attack I cannot like imagine the uproar if you, Sean Hannity, sat there on, on, on the set of your television show and said anything remotely like this about Barack Obama's kids. I, I, I just, I mean, you, you would not only have lost your TV show, you would have lost this show. I mean, they'd have been after you. I mean, therein lies the double standards. The one caveat I have, and it's exactly the same as yours, I mean, I am a First Amendment fundamentalist. And, and in being that, it has not escaped my notice that our friends on the left are all too frequently not, that they reserve unto themselves the right to say all of these kind of things, but they want to get you off the air, or they want to close down Fox, or they want this, that, or the other person's silence. This comes from their basic totalitarian nature. I mean, this is what the left is all about, bottom line, whether it's the French Revolution, 1917, or whether it's today. They want to shut down the opposition. They want to shut down Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, it is just appalling, but we really do need to realize what we're dealing with here. Well, I, I just don't think... I've never I've never witnessed anything like this. And Leslie is on a very remote basis. Yeah, okay, we can go back. There was a crack made about Amy Carter, maybe a crack made about Chelsea Clinton, maybe in the I, I can't remember one against the Obama uh, daughters. I, I have one, but what, I'd what rather is, just not say Okay, no that's fine. All right, but but no that, yeah. mainstream conservative made cracks against any of these people and especially in the case I've always said I actually think the Obamas did a great job with their daughters. Yes. You know, I, I, I think it's very difficult to be raised in the White House. And I think kids, hands off the kids, leave them alone. Now, Michelle Obama, when she says for the first time in my adult life, I'm proud of my country. Okay. Fair game. Because she now has inserted herself. You're not proud of your country beating back fascism, Nazism, Imperial Japan, or the blood and sweat and treasure this country has sacrificed for the cause of freedom. Uh, and the only time you yeah, or, or 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 any of the the country's many accomplishments, you're only you're only 
proud of your country when your husband's getting elected? That's pretty bad and deserved criticism, Leslie. I think if a person says something politically, like Hillary Clinton had put herself out there politically, more so than many first ladies before her, that's one thing. But we're talking about children, which Ivanka is, a child of a president. Uh, There were remarks about uh, putting uh, uh, Barack Obama's daughter, uh, Malia, 15 at the time, uh, you know, on birth control. There have been horrendously racist remarks and even imagery um, of uh, the Obamas, specifically Michelle Obama and even the kids. And it is all wrong. Whether it's okay, so let's take the Obamas. Give me examples. Give me examples of of Republicans attacking Michelle. Prominent names. Well, Republican. Okay, give me two seconds. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you time to think. I'll take a break. All right, as we continue with Jeffrey Lord and Leslie Marshall, we gave Leslie some time to think and ponder examples of prominent conservatives. <laughs> She's been Googling now for the last four minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what have you come up with? Prominent conservatives that have attacked Michelle Obama. Well, Go I ahead. I what you said before the break, because we have a tape of it. We can run it back to the crew there. You said Republicans. You didn't say prominent conservatives. Okay. Who are the prominent Republicans? The guy that said liar? You said, wait, you didn't say prominent. Yes, I did say prominent. All right, who are the – all right, give me the unknown names you're about to give me because you don't have anybody. (laughs) Well, some of these names actually – You don't have um, any. Some of these names are not unknown, quite frankly. Um, Her weight was a big uh, consideration. Sarah Palin talked about her weight and her Alex Jones said, quote, she is actually a man. Okay, let me let me, let me just stop you for a second. It, it, there is context and texture to everything. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is the first lady telling us that we have to eat leaves and spinach for lunch every single day, Jeffrey. And I'm guessing that they're saying, well, that doesn't make you healthy. So there's a context. I'm assuming here. Am I right or wrong? You no, know, no, you're right. And, and the problem here is that when a when a first lady goes, th- there's a difference here be- between let's say Jackie Kennedy or, uh, or, or Nancy Reagan uh, in, in the sense that one was talking about refurbishing the White House and the other was talking about uh, drugs and, and, you know, just say no to drugs. There's a difference between that and then going out and taking a real serious position on a political issue and thinking there'd be no blowback. The moment you do that, if you're a first lady, or, or for that matter, a first child, then you are going to get the blowback. And and it happens like clockwork, and no one should be surprised at it. Well, what, what, about, what about Carl Paladino, guys? Minding your own quote, business and Michelle trying to keep Obama the house like place running and people go after Obama. you. That's a different thing. Guys, can we, can we, can we, Leslie, you got to let Jeff finish, and then you go. Jeff, finish your thought. So, well, it's just when, when you when you go out of your way, like Hillary Clinton did, for example, or Michelle Obama, to insert yourself in a political issue, then you're going to get political blowback. There's no question. I mean, it's, it's going to come with certainty, and it should. I mean, if you're going to use your platform to inject your political views, then great. Then, you know, fine. But don't be surprised when people come back at you. Well, I don't consider sexist or racist remarks attacking one's politics. And I do agree with you, Jeffrey, regarding politics. And I said that earlier, like Hillary Clinton and others that have put themselves out there. Carl Palladino is another who said, and I quote, and sorry for interrupting you. Nobody outside of New York knows who Carl Palladino is. I disagree. Nobody. Nobody outside of New York knows who Carl Palladino is. I live in Los Angeles. I know who he is. Okay, but you, you spend hours and days and months in New York. So stop. That's, nobody knows who this guy is. 
He's so not a prominent. He's not a prominent. Unless it's it's unless it's somebody's name that you feel everybody recognizes, it doesn't count when you say quote. Okay, is that Michelle the same? Obama, is that like the same? To, to being a male and let loose in the outback of Zimbabwe, where she lives comfortable in a cave with Max. All right, let me gorilla? let me stand up for Michelle. That's despicable, and people like Jeff Amen. and I condemn it. It's disgusting. Absolutely. But so is Bill Maher a much bigger name, and so is uh, Stephen Colbert a much bigger name, and so are the the numbers of liberals in the House of representatives, the things that they have said, starting with Nancy Pelosi on down against the president that have been over no, the no, line no, despicable. The president or the child or spouse? Well, okay. Name, if, a, prominent, name a prominent Democrat. Okay, that uh, right, stop using... I, Leslie, Leslie, I know I'm teaching you how to be a talk show host, but this is my <laughs> show and I'm not answering <laughs> questions, okay? But my only point to you is we, we see... You, you cannot look at what's being said about Ivanka, Melania, Barron, uh, and Kelly Ann for crying out loud and not say... This is something we've never seen before, and you should be speaking out as loudly as me and Jeffrey. I mean, Sean, it, it helps. I mean, when, when, when somebody on our side, I mean, as you just illustrated with Carl Palladino, says something, I mean, <clears throat> I said something at the time. I, I mean, it's just, it's disgraceful. So it's important when somebody on our side does something that's way out of control. It was, di- it was disgraceful. So. I, and but, I don't know if he apologized for it. I hope he did, but it was disgraceful. There's no. they've been at this now a lot. They need to speak up. All right, we're going to have yeah, to leave yeah, it there. Bit, like, I, like, I said, like I said, I wrote an article about it, and you or Sean didn't know about it. Okay, I already gave you dispensation that I'll put you in a separate category. Most of your prominent liberal brethren sit by idly and silent and do and say nothing. And that therein lies the double standard. i got to let you both go here. Uh, I'm glad we can get Google so much work during a, a half-hour debate with Leslie. 800-941-SEAN is our number. When we come back... We're going to check in with the White House correspondent for the Gateway Pundit to give us, you know, the next in the long line of horrible flight stories. This is unbelievable. We'll get to that more. answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. I know, and you guys All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Some of the audio, you know, things can't get worse for the airlines. I, I, I am stunned at what I've been seeing on the airlines. I mean, you, you see a woman with two babies, twins, carrying it, and a guy ripping the stroller, nearly breaking open her head and her skull in the process, instead of, instead of the obvious. Ma'am, how can I help you? Can I help you? Would you like me to hold one of the kids, and would you like to get settled, and would you like me to take the stroller? And there's, such, there's two ways of doing anything. We've all experienced this in life, and that is you have the people that are really, really helpful and really good, 
and really supportive and do their job with a, a smile on their face. And then you have the other people that ripped the stroller out and they were impatient. And then you saw the video of the guy that stood up for this poor woman that had twins. And you got this this flight attendant guy trying to start a fight, sticking his finger in the face of the guy saying, hey, 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 help the lady out. What are you doing? You know, become aware of your actions and your behavior. And then we have the incident of the guy being dragged down the aisle because United overbooked the flight. And what you just heard there was audio. And the audio was, here we go, United Airlines again, the company known for dragging this poor guy down the aisle, trapped a completely full cabin of passengers. When was this, yesterday? When, When did this happen? This weekend. All right, for five hours, a complete full cabin of passengers on a flight. No lights, no air conditioning, apparently no water. How do you not have water on a, on a flight? No usable restrooms, five hours in Miami. Just telling me that I can't use the restroom means I'm going to have to use the restroom. It's ridiculous. The original boarding time, 106, flight 1614, departing Miami, headed to New, Newick, New Jersey, Once the passengers arrived at the airport, they were told that there was going to be a 45-minute maintenance delay. Annoying, but that happens. When passengers boarded, 2.15, they shut the doors, told that there was a mechanical failure. It would only take 15 minutes. An hour and a half later, passengers still trapped in the plane, slowly becoming like an oven, sitting in the Miami sun, as was reported on Gateway Pundit, and no water offered. Elderly woman sitting toward the back of the plane passes out like a mini heat stroke. Another two hours, the plane slowly makes its way back from the terminal. Passengers at this point sweating profusely, somewhat disoriented, deboarding to sit in the air-conditioned airport. After roughly an hour and a half, they were told the plane's ready to take off. Reluctantly, and again, I'm, I'm reading the piece by Lucian Wintrich. Lucian Wintrich. Reluctantly, passengers reboarded the overheated plane. An hour later, they were right back where they started, trapped in a plane. No air conditioning, no lighting. Lucian was on that flight. White House correspondent, Gateway Pundit. Oh, come on. Just tell me they're not that dumb. I mean, it, it, was, it was absolutely astonishing. Um, the first uh, round one, they, they had us all board. They said, you know, we haven't worked out these failures but sit on the plane 15 minutes, and, you, you know, an airport lingo, that's typically just, in a, I don't even want to say just an hour, but about an hour. Uh, three hours later, um, absolutely no water. The restrooms are inoperational, no lights, no air conditioning. Um, if you can imagine being in a metal tube under the sun for three hours, it, it was at least 90 degrees uh, in the, I'm surprised people didn't start start uh, taking their clothes off. It was it was uh, like no sauna I've experienced in a while. And I got to tell you, no offense, Lucian, the selfie you took made you look horrible. I don't know. You know <laughs> it actually captured the moment perfectly. So I read that I was reading your verbate, obviously, in the lead up to this. Um, Buzz Patterson's also with us. Remember, he carried the nuclear football for President Clinton, author of Dereliction of Duty, a bestseller, how Bill Clinton compromised America's national security. And and he also was an airline pilot. Now, you flew Delta Airlines, what, 15 years? That's correct, Sean. Yeah, 15 years. Just retired, actually, this past fall to get back into riding and speaking. All right. Now, I found a story about Southwest Airlines over the weekend. And, and in light of all of these horrific stories, this was a, a couple of years ago, 
where Southwest Airlines, a woman on a plane in Raleigh dorm about to go to Chicago, pilot aborted the takeoff, taxis back to the gate. They come and they ask the woman to get off the plane. She's thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe I got on the wrong plane. They go to the desk. She has to call her husband. Apparently, her 24-year-old son in, in Colorado in Denver had a serious injury, was in a coma. Well, then they knew the situation. They booked the woman a direct flight to Denver. That was leaving in two hours. They offered a private waiting area, considering all the emotional pain and suffering she's going through. They rerouted the woman's luggage. She boarded first. They packed her a lunch. When she got to Denver, her luggage was delivered. She didn't have to wait for it. Southwest never asked for a dime for the flight, the luggage delivery, or anything else. And it turns out, thank God, her son is okay. Now, that's the difference between, say, what we've been seeing, what just happened to Lucian, what happened to this guy dragged across the floor because they overbooked the flight, and what happened to that poor woman with twins. Yeah, you know, Sean, there's no, uh, there's, there are certain cultures amongst the airlines, and, and no two are alike. Southwest has got a great culture. Delta's got a great culture. You know, we knew who we were. We were, we were there for a reason, and customer service was a priority. Some of the other legacy airlines, like United and American, are much more an amalgamation of different airlines with no real clear defining corporate vision. And that's where you have problems like you had yesterday. I mean, I can't imagine, having been, a captain, having been an airline pilot at Delta and flown through Miami a thousand times, I can't imagine boarding passengers on an airplane in Miami heat with that, without air conditioning because there's two ways you can air condition an airplane. There's the internal system that the airplanes have that uh, can, can do it without any, any uh, ground uh, aid or support. But there's also, especially in Miami, they have a phenomenal system with all the gates where they have gate gate-assisted air, which will actually get the airplanes really, really cool. So to board people without that capability or not having it turned on, I don't know if it was inoperative, whatever the problem was, but to board people in that kind of heat is just it's inhumane. And I, I personally have never heard of that happening. Let me ask Lucian this now, because this is pretty amazing to me. Now, let's go back to the case of this poor guy that was dragged down the aisle on the United. In that case, mm-hmm. they overbooked a flight. Now, I saw an article that apparently in April, I guess it was, that Southwest said they're ending the practice of overbooking flights. Good for them. It seems like Southwest and some of these other companies are – like I've had a good experience with JetBlue. I've never had a bad experience with JetBlue, and I've been delayed like everybody else. We had a great experience with LL every time we've flown that great experience. We flew United. No, we flew Delta back. Was it Delta or United? Delta. Okay, we flew Delta back. Great experience. They were so nice to us. So I always give kudos when due. But I just read that they settled with the guy they dragged down the aisle. And I'm thinking, whatever they would have offered, if they kept up in the ante, Lucian, all right, we'll give you four tickets to any one of our destinations, four first-class tickets, eight first-class tickets, hotel accommodations, and $3,000 cash. I'm raising my hand. I'm taking that deal. At some point, whatever they ended up paying this guy is 1,000 times more than what they would have paid if they just did it the right way. I don't get oh, it. I, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have the, the uh, United CEO, Oscar uh, Munoz, I think it is, um, who recently said, oh, we forgot our customers were actual human beings. He said that actions will speak louder than words, and that you see them uh, continuing to, to mistreat customers. I mean, you know, they just killed that prized rabbit on one of their flights. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many... There are so many repeated incidents with them and it just doesn't seem like they want tell us exactly what they... you went through this weekend oh well yeah so they they uh, originally it was a delay 
Uh, I actually had a conne- uh, connecting flight back down to uh, to D.C. here. So they, they, for whatever reason, decided to board, uh, to board us. Three hours later, uh, no AC, no water. Um, <clears throat> they, they pull the plane out. They finally decide to redock and let people get some air conditioning after an elderly woman passes out of heat stroke on the, uh, on the flight, sitting on the grounded flight. They let us out for maybe uh, half an hour, an hour or so uh, <laughs> just to get some uh, air conditioning in the actual airport. Um, and then all of a sudden they say, okay, all of you, uh, we need you back on the flight immediately. Um, we're still working on it, but it'll be, it'll be just 15 minutes of waiting. They pull the plane back out another two, two and a half hours later, sitting, <laughs> sitting in the exact same situation. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's amazing how they, they really do treat uh, passengers. How about this? How like long that. into the, 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 the heat sit-in was it before this poor woman passed out? It, it was a good three hours. Okay, and it still went on another two hours after. Yeah. Okay, it's five maybe hours total. maybe after a woman passes out, maybe that's kind of a good sign that maybe it's time to get some air conditioning for the people. You know, <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit of water. I don't know, Buzz. Did you experience anything like this in your years as a pilot? I, ne- I never had that that situation. I, I've you know, I've experienced obviously some issues over my fifteen years, but my I'm really kind of in a quandary, Sean, about this whole situation because. Um, I don't understand how. I would have to ask your other guests if they ever got airborne. Were they taxiing out? What was this? What was the scenario? Were they going out to the to the uh, runway to hold for potential weather in the Northeast? Why? Why were you guys able not able to get in the air? Um, you know, I I really don't know. They said that they were still working on the plane. Um, I don't know why they they board passengers in general if they're if they're. Uh, anticipating that much maintenance to do. Um, I mean, you, when you drop off a car to the mechanic, he doesn't ask you to, to wait in the car for five hours while he's no, working on it. They never, they never should have boarded you guys. And the other thing that probably didn't sound like it happened was that the captain should have been on the public announcement system every 15 minutes telling you guys what was going on and, um, and never should have let it get to the point where it got that hot in the airplane. Especially, I mean, there's, there's ice on the airplane. If they're catered properly, there could have been, there could have been uh, you know, comps, drinks, all those kind of things. How, how do you not have water on a plane? I, all right, give me a beer, something. I'll take any type of fluid at that point. <laughs> I mean, for exactly the, for right. the second two-hour round, I would have made it as comfortable as possible. We probably never would have got on the airplane in the first place because, again, in, in Miami, they have ground control and air conditioning units for the airplanes, and I can't imagine why they weren't hooked up and operating uh, the entire time those guys are were sitting there just melting in the, in the sun. Wow. I, I am I am stunned about everything that I'm hearing here. I really am. Well, I think some of these things are easy. I, you know, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but it, with the woman, I think you say to the woman, can I help you? Can, would you, can I help you with that, ma'am? And maybe in the case of the guy, uh, sir, we're looking for volunteers. We'll keep up in the ante. Somebody's going to take, you know, the four, eight tickets for free. Don't you think, Colonel? Yeah, I think we've dumbed down the process, the, the whole process, so dramatically, Sean. That you know, we get we get uh, we get disgruntled employees, we get disgruntled passengers, we get disgruntled the TSA agents. And by the time people actually get on the airplane, they're exhausted, uh, and all they want is a little common sense, a little a little politeness, a little uh, a little assistance. You know, um, I would oftentimes take the strollers down to the baggage bin myself. When, when does a pilot get time. to make a call if you have an unruly flight attendant? Like in the case uh, of that guy sticking his finger in the other guy's face. That, 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 I saw that video, and that captain should have been right there. And he, he, I saw him back off. That's uh, that's inappropriate. You need to, 
needed to be either right there defending your guy if you think he's right, or if he's getting aggressive like that, you need to you need to get him off the airplane immediately and call the company. I, I mean, to me, I don't know what's happened, but it almost seems like. And and by the way, I've met really great security guards, but there are some security guards that seem to be wannabe FBI agents. And, you know, come after you with an aggressiveness that is so over the top. I'm like, whoa, hold on, cowboy. I'm, I'm a good person. I'll give you all the information you want. <laughs> Relax. That's um, exactly right. And some airplanes have air marshals and some don't. So you never know if you're going to get that kind of assistance. I mean, the, the air crews know, the pilots know if there's air marshals or law enforcement officials on the airplane, but nobody else does. So you never really, never really know if you're going to have that kind of back. Do they know where those guys sit? Absolutely. We know exactly where they're sitting. All right, I want to thank you both for being with us. I, I just cannot believe we keep going through this. I'm those poor people in Miami. My goodness. Anyway, thank you for sharing. Uh, thanks, Lucian. You got a voucher, I heard, right? Uh, yeah, at the, uh, at the end they said, anybody who wants to fly United again, you get a $150 voucher for the inconvenience. Oh, <laughs> you didn't even get a free ticket. 150 no. bucks. 150 bucks, and you get five hours of roasting in the cabin for free. <laughs> five hours of being roasted like a... A chestnut on an open fire at Christmas time. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now, Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink, under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co., Right now, Gold Co. is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. So don't wait. Go to HannityGold.com to learn how to get started today. That's HannityGold.com. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's healthlock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider.